You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. How does God work in the world? How does he intervene in the events of history? How does he interact with human beings? These are some of the questions that we'll be looking at in this video. But let's start by just reminding ourselves that God really does work in the world. The Bible makes that very clear in the first chapter. Um, So in the first verse, in the first chapter of Genesis, at the start of the Bible, we're told that God is active. God created, it says. And then we go on to learn that God speaks. God said, let there be light, and there was light. As a result of what he says, things came into being. First light and dark, and then as we read through the chapter, there's an expanse between the waters above and those below, and then there's the land and sea, and so on. So each time we see God's authority, he is able to work in the world. But what happened next? Did God just leave it at that? Did he create the world, populate the universe, and then leave it to to itself? In other words, did he just set the laws of physics in motion and then become a passive observer of what is what was going on? Well, no, that isn't the truth at all. The Bible talks about God continuing to work in the world after those first verses of Genesis. But it doesn't always work in the same way. There's quite a contrast, in fact, between the different ways in which he uh, does things. And I think the best way for us to understand this will be to look at some examples. We'll see that sometimes what he does is miraculous, spectacular interventions in world events. Other times, there's not much fanfare at all. It's almost imperceptible what he's doing. And nevertheless, he is working. So let's start by thinking about a kind of miraculous intervention. I'm thinking about the exodus from Egypt. So the background here is that the Israelites are slaves in Egypt. God is going to act to set them free. And how does he do that? Well, first of all, he appears to Moses in the desert. He explains what Moses needs to do, that Moses is going to have to go to the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and uh, and tell Pharaoh that he should let the Israelites, who are slaves, go free. And He says to Moses, right, I'm going to give you some signs to prove that I am sending you. And he he gives uh, Moses some some miracles, some signs that he can do. He's going to be able to throw his staff, his rod down onto the ground and it will become a snake. He will be able to put his hand into his cloak. And when he withdraws it, it's going to be leprous. He's got these miracles. He takes them to to Pharaoh and and that is showing that um, he has been sent by God. Pharaoh doesn't listen to Moses or doesn't agree that he should set the Israelites free. And so what follows is that God sends 10 plagues um, on the Egyptians. And these are great signs and they are executed in a spectacular fashion. Um, In the top picture here, we can see the sign of the miracle of the Nile being turned to blood. And there follow other signs. There's a plague where frogs um, overrun the land of Egypt. Um, there's hail, there is darkness, goes over the whole land, and so on. Um, and so God says about those plagues, the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt. So this is God intervening in a big way in what's going on. And the story continues, um, eventually after 10 
plagues, Pharaoh says that the Israelites can leave Egypt, but then he quickly changes his mind and chases after them with his army. The Israelites find themselves trapped with the sea in front of them, the Egyptian army behind them. And then another great miracle is done. The Red Sea, uh, waters of the Red Sea are parted so that the Israelites can pass through on dry land. You see, it says here, the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind. So this is a big, visible, obvious intervention by God to change world events, to change um, geopolitical um, circumstances. So the Israelites um, can, can go to a different place and have a different status in the world. Another example of a completely miraculous event is the resurrection of Jesus. So after Jesus' crucifixion, he's buried. But then three days later, when people visit the tomb, they find it's empty. And later on, uh, Jesus appears to them alive. So Peter, who's one of Jesus' disciples, um, who, who, who meets Jesus after he's been raised from the dead, later on, he's, he's preaching uh, in Jerusalem. And, and this is what he says, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs. He goes on to say, this Jesus God raised up and of that we are all witnesses. So Peter is saying God worked in the world by raising Jesus to life again. So that's a couple of examples of kind of big miraculous interventions, ways that God works in the world. Let's have a look at some of these times when God is just working, as it were, in the background. Um, so I'm thinking of the story of Joseph. So Joseph is one of 12 brothers of his father, Jacob. And in fact, Joseph is the favourite of Jacob. So Jacob gives him a, a, a robe which um, is better than anything that any of the other brothers have got. This makes them jealous. And so because they resent Joseph, they overpower him. They sell him as a slave to trade to traders who take Joseph into Egypt. Um, whilst Joseph is there, he gets accused of a crime that he did not commit. He gets put into prison. So you know, pretty bad for Joseph. Um, now, after that, there's a turnaround in events and Joseph becomes the second most important person in Egypt after the Pharaoh. This allows him to guide policy in Egypt so that it is resilient to famine. Um, they store grain during good times so that they don't starve in bad times. And then um, when famine strikes, his brothers, who are in the land of Canaan, are able to come to Egypt. They're able to um, get food in Egypt. Um, and so they don't starve as a result of what Joseph has done. Now, the, the verse I've got on the screen here is Joseph looking back at all of that and sort of describing what has happened. He's saying to his brothers, as for you, you meant evil against me. So he meant when you overpowered me, when you sold me to the traders, um, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive. So what Joseph is saying is that all of these things that have happened in the story, the brothers hating him and, and all the rest of it, um, that was God at work. That probably didn't seem like that to the brothers at the time. You know, they just thought they hated Joseph. But nevertheless, this was God at work. God wanted to save um, the, the family of Joseph and in fact, lots of other people as well. And so he works in their lives in order to make that come about. Another example of God working in the background comes again in the Old Testament in the story of Ruth. So this time there is a famine again. Um, there's a famine in Bethlehem 
And so one family, a father, a mother and two sons, go to the land of Moab to avoid the famine. While they're there, the father and the sons die so that only Naomi is left. Naomi is the mother. Um, and then Naomi, um, so what ha happens after that is that Naomi returns to Israel because the famine is over. And look how that's described in this verse. It says that Naomi arose with her daughters-in-law. So one of those daughters-in-law is Ruth, who is important in the story. She returns from the country of Moab. They should heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So it's saying that the change in the climate, in the weather in Bethlehem is something that God has done. God is looking after the people of Bethlehem. Um, so that's being attributed to God. And then when they get back to Bethlehem, Naomi and Ruth, um, Naomi says to, uh, to the people in Bethlehem, to the, to the women that are there, that the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. So here Naomi is saying the fact that my husband and my sons died was God's doing. Now, ultimately, God was acting in my life and has brought about this bitterness within my life, Naomi says. Um, a bit later on in the story, Ruth um, goes out into the fields of Bethlehem and it says that she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. So that to Ruth seems like she just happens to be in a particular field. She meets somebody fairly randomly and it's Boaz. Now it turns out that that isn't a random thing at all. It's very important that the person that she met was Boaz. Boaz is a relative of Naomi's and in fact Boaz is who Ruth is going to marry in the story. Um, but you know, it, it just seems like an ordinary event um, in her life when it happens. Um, and as I say, Boaz marries Ruth and then Ruth conceives um, and has a son. Um, gives birth to a son called, uh, called Obed. Um, and look what it says. It says that when she conceived, the Lord gave her conception. Um, and it says that um, the women recognised that Boaz joining to her family, but, um, that, that Ruth marrying Boaz is a blessing uh, from the Lord. Um, the Lord has not left you this day without a redeemer. So in this story, it looks like ordinary things are happening, you know, to do with the climate and the weather, making somebody move to Moab and then back again. There's people dying, there's people bumping into somebody in a field, uh, getting married, having a child, kind of ordinary things, no, nothing really miraculous here, but all of this is God working. Um, and, and that is emphasized through the story. Um, and it is important that Ruth marries Boaz because they have this son Obed, but then just a couple of generations later, um, so Ruth's great grandson is David. This is King David, really important character in the Old Testament, and he is an ancestor of Jesus, we learn um, in the genealogy in Matthew chapter one. So this ordinary story is definitely God at work, organising events so that his son, many generations later, will be born. Okay, there's another part of God's work that we should um, consider and think about, and that's that sometimes God works through somebody else, through another agent. Um, so that might be an angel, it might be a prophet. 
let's have a look at some examples. So um, there's the famous story of Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel has defied a law which has come into being. The law says that he must worship the king and not worship uh, God. Um, and so the punishment for disobeying that law is to be thrown to the lions. And Daniel does disobey the law. He carries on praying to God. He doesn't worship the king. Um, so he's thrown to the lions. Uh, but after spending all night there, when the king comes to find out what's happened to Daniel, uh, Daniel is found to be absolutely fine in the lion's den. Um, and this is what he says um, to, uh, to the king. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me. So Daniel is saying God has worked in the world. The way that he has worked is that he has sent his angel. The angel is doing God's work. That's kind of God acting, um, but it's, it's the angel that carries out the action for God. Um, and so an angel had come and saved Daniel. Or an, another example, this time Peter. Um, Peter has been locked up in prison by uh, King Herod um, and in the, during the night, an angel of the Lord comes to Peter and it says a light shone in the cell and the angel struck Peter on the side and woke him up and said, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. So this time, um, an angel has been sent. This is how God is acting in the world to rescue Peter. And a sort of series of little miracles happen. The chains fall off his hands. Um, they're able to pass a couple of guards. They come to a, a gate um, which just opens um, on its own for them. Um, and when Peter then um, talks about what has just happened, he says, I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me. So, again, God's intervention um, on behalf of one of his servants, this time Peter, um, by sending an angel. Uh, I said that sometimes it's a prophet that God might work through. So an example of that would be the prophet Jeremiah. Um, at the start of Jeremiah's um, ministry, when he becomes a prophet, um, God says to him, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I appointed you a prophet. So God is sending this prophet Jeremiah. Um, the Lord put out his hand, touched my mouth. The Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. So God is going to give a message to the world. The way that he is going to do that is by using Jeremiah's mouth, by using Jeremiah's speech. This is God working in the world through Jeremiah. Or a New Testament prophet, uh, John the Baptist. Uh, we're told that God sent John. There was a man sent from God and uh, John came as a witness to bear witness about the light. So when it talks about being a witness to the light, it means that John had things to say about Jesus, the light of the world. Um, so that's another example of, of God acting through a man. God sends the man, uh, the prophet John the Baptist, to give a message. There's uh, another thing that we ought to say on this subject of God working, and that's that sometimes when God works, it's described as being by the Holy Spirit. So we've got a couple of examples of this. One is in Luke, when the angel Gabriel appears to Mary, the mother of Jesus. So this is before Jesus is born, before Jesus has even been conceived in, um, in Mary's womb. Uh, the angel says to her, that the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So that's talking about God. God's, by God's power, you're going to have a child. But it, it calls that the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Um, so this is God working. 
um, Mary conceives and the child doesn't have a human father, but rather is to be called the son of God. And that's said to be um, the Holy Spirit uh, working. Here's another example of, of the Holy Spirit. Um, this is talking about how people wrote the prophecies of the Bible. It says no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God. So God wants these prophecies to come into being. Men spoke from God. And it says that they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So let's just summarise what we've discovered by looking at all those examples. Certainly God does work in the world and it's in quite a variety of ways. Uh, sometimes it's spectacularly, miraculously, sometimes it's more, um, more gently. Um, he just arranges circumstances, arranges people's lives so that his uh, purpose, his intentions are carried out in the world. Sometimes he uses another being such as an angel or a prophet to work in the world. And we've seen that it is sometimes described as being by the Holy Spirit that God is working. And we looked at a couple of examples of that. Of course, it's a wonderful thing that God does work in the world. It means that he has the ability to work in the world, that he is powerful, that he can affect what is going on in our lives. And it means that he has worked. He has brought his son into the world. He has saved people and he's made a way that we can be saved men and women like you and me can be saved from sin and death because of god's work in the world thank you for watching Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org if you enjoyed the episode then please share it with others until next time may god bless you in your studies and your walk towards god's kingdom amen